Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Fantastic Minute, the show where we talk about Wes Anderson's Fantastic Mr. Fox one minute at a time. My name is Tyler Boudreaux. And I am Condra Boudreaux. We're the amateur nerds here to talk about Minute 48 of Fantastic Mr. Fox, which begins with the chief saying, here we go, and it ends with Ash suggesting that Christopherson put on his bandit hat. Quick note on that fire chief. He's an actor in this movie. His name's Martin Ballard. It's his only IMDb credit. Uh, It's ghost town on his IMDb page. But a Wikipedia search suggests that he might be a British BBC radio presenter and actor in theater. What's his name? Theater spelled with an R-E. Martin Ballard. It's not, that name sounds really familiar, but I'm Martin. Um, I have a correction from the last minute too. Oh boy, a correction. Um, so I was watching the closed caption for this time because I wanted to catch a couple words, and we figure I actually found out who said "Okay, Chief." It is oh, none other is than Bean himself. So it is not a mysterious actor who has no record of being oh. in this film. It's just Bean. Lame, lame. Sorry crushing all of your hopes and dreams uh we did get the fire chief here he says here we go and i can't imagine why wes anderson would have had to call in martin ballard to say here we go unless he also appears later in the film i don't remember what the fire chief does i don't either we'll find out (laughs) stay with us for about another year we'll 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 find out all the actors in the movie okay so so yeah, we kind of have the three segments here. We have, we have the firefighters, and we have the dinner, and we have Ash and Christopherson sneaking into Bean's house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to start at the beginning? So, I don't have a whole lot yes, to say. Yes, I do. About I don't have a whole lot to say about the pan across, other than. I was thinking about it and like direction of pans and we get a lot of left to right pans in this film. We just had one through the Flint mine as we were watching the critters prepare the dinner. Um, This one here, I feel like left to right. And I wonder if that's like an American or Western thing where we read left to right. So it's a much more comfortable, like head, natural head movement. And to continue this idea in museums, it's interesting in studying people's patterns and stuff, often people will go to the right first. Like it's a natural, like I go to the right as opposed to the left. That's, that's also something in like grocery stores. People like, like they like people naturally like to herd, which is why in grocery stores, like you, you have like the loop around the grocery store is part of the experience of being in the store. Unless you're at like a Trader Joe's who intentionally tries to subvert that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I would. It would be interesting to do a study of like all the pans in film history and see like how many of them are like left to right or right to left. And I wonder if their cultural background would have some deter. Like you might see some variation in that. But now I'm just picturing a right to left pan, and it just seems like painful. I feel like Star Wars does right <laughs> to left wrong. pans. The filming of Star Wars was never the strength. <laughs> Ouch! Now we'll never get on Star Wars minute, Tyler. No, I was just saying that, like, usually what's interesting, like, well, it's Star Wars is famous for the wipes, but wipes are famously bad film film editing techniques. Fair. Similar with similar to Star Wars. Star Wars isn't really known for its camera movement at all. It's usually just like, let's plop a camera here and see what happens. So there aren't really that many pans in Star Wars in the first place. 
Except in the iconic opening shots. I feel like those are like famous pans. Yes. Oh yeah, so we're we're in we're in space and we pan down to look at a planet. Or mm-hmm. Yes. Or pan up in a couple instances. All right. So continuing on with this pan though, we get this really cool left to right shot. You get to see the end of the fire truck and the rest of the firefighters. And then this like kind of open field and standing far back is um, the three farmers and was it also Petey? There was a fourth person there. I wasn't actually looking, so I don't remember. Whoops. But they have three little tents in the background that everything comes in threes with these folks. And it's really interesting to think about like, oh, no, there's a couple more firefighters. like the three witches in Macbeth. Exactly. I I just looked it up. There's two more firefighters back there with with the three farmers, like guarding them almost. Um, And then there's like a set of stairs up to these three little tent, like pop up tents. Um, And then a giant truck. That says beans alcoholic cider yep. on the side, and it's like a giant yeah, oil so truck. Yeah, so the implication, the implication that beans cider is transported in like giant eighteen wheeler trucks, like because he just has to transport loads that big, which is like pretty cool. You don't you don't really anticipate the uh, like the size of beans production as being that, but it's entirely possible that yeah, he's shipping out in whole truckloads. But. That's or maybe not, they're bottled at an exterior location. Or, I don't know. That's not how you... Yeah. Like, thinking about... We've been to a bunch of, like, wineries and distilleries and stuff in our lives. And um, just, like, thinking about the production process. That's not how it even remotely works. Like, you don't want to transport alcohol in a vessel like that. Because how do you clean that after? Maybe it was a purchase he made specifically for this endeavor. In which Bean is extra once again. Yeah, so he bought an 18-wheeler truck, which is like tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. Slapped his name on the side of that truck. Slapped his name on that baby and said, hey, we're going to dump all of it down a hole. You know. Which I mean, hey, do your thing. The the little water sound effects are are fun. You can hear the whooshing of the, the liquid. Yeah. I'm just saying, Bean okay, could definitely that's, that's use done. his resources better, like paying my student loans. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Spread the wealth. You know, this movie would be so much better if Bean was a socialist. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, and then we get one of the most famous shots in the movie <laughs> that is used for a lot of promotional material. Um, it is actually the cover of the book that we referred to quite often and has a whole chapter with an or like a good number of details contained within the book about the dinner scene and it's just so yes this is like the dinner feast scene yeah of the movie we're a week we're a week late tyler yeah we had the thanksgiving special last week we timed it just off oh it would have been so good they're even talking about being thankful in this minute no uh, Fox says, uh, well, we have one thing to be thankful to the these three ugly farmers for, and that's making us thankful and aware of each other. I'm going to say it again. Let me say that again. Aware. Aware. Which is one of the funniest and weirdest lines of all time. I love that Why line. Why does he say aware? I think it's a, it's an absolute dig at Badger, like, or uh, other people in the party that are there, that he doesn't want to be there necessarily and like just being together is a little too much 
I'm aware of your presence. I don't necessarily need to acknowledge you or maybe even like be with you. But I'm aware of you. I'm, it's like a you problem. I don't even know if that's I don't even know if that's true. I think it's kind of like him just try like him trying to do like the the motivational speech but like not really getting it yet. Like so he's just doing a cheesy speech at this point. He's like we're all aware of each other. We're all learning from it. But he doesn't it's I don't know. You're shaking your head at me which isn't being I'd, expressed in this non-visual medium. I know. I'm trying I'm trying not to interrupt you. I'm trying to be a good co-host. Um but no, I think it's an absolute like th- this is not a nice motivational speech. He interrupts Badger. Well, like it's not a nice motivational speech for sure and I interrupted you. Uh sorry. Does does anyone know what Condra's talking about? That's what uh Badger's there that's what Fox says to Badger. He says, "Does anyone know what Badger's trying to talk about?" Um what was I saying? Well, let's go to the interruption then. We're bouncing all over the place. Sorry, listeners, but we'll we'll get there. But no, Badger starts being like, I'm so glad you're all here. And like, it's unfortunate that a catastrophe like got us here together, but you're here. And then Fox is just super rude yeah. to Badger. And it's more of this dynamic that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago that is it badger trying to be more like fox are they they're like such rivals in this moment yeah fox is just trying to like be a poop head to badger essentially yeah also he he says uh, i don't know maybe my invitation got lost in the mail and everyone laughs also he calls him clive is that badger's first name maybe i couldn't understand what exactly that, that I, if it was clyde or clive clive or, I had, that's why I turned the closed captions on because I was like, what the heck is he saying? And he calls him Clive and then he's like, sorry to interrupt B. And I'm like, okay, so is his name Clive? Is it Badger? I'm so confused. What's going on here? It, or is Clive like one of those like Jeeves kind of names that like, you're like, they're there, Jeeves, like kind of sarcastically. Uh, yeah, no, back to the point, like, Fox is interrupting Badger. He's still not being nice. He's still trying to be the quote-unquote fantastic Mr. Fox and impress everyone, make everyone laugh. What I think his speech makes evident is that he's not actually good at that because what he's doing is, like, giving this speech where, like, we're all aware of each other. And that that's totally meaningless. I'm sure if we heard the rest of the speech, it would just be more of this meaningless garble that just doesn't really go anywhere and doesn't really mean anything, but it's just entirely based on his charisma and i don't think he's i just don't think he's trying to make fun of every like everyone i think he's only just trying to make fun of badger but still that's your host that's like breaking hospitality which is like not a good thing and he (laughs) definitely like if this was like the ancient world fox would definitely be smited in some way shape or form smote smote smitten smitten smited Smite me, almighty, almighty smiter. Um, That's Bruce Almighty minute there for yeah. you. Um, but Badger just like looks really like disap- and, and he goes through a range of emotions, and <laughs> he just dejectedly sits he down. He looks it's really so funny. sad and then really angry, and his he, he looks at his wife, and his wife looks back at him, and they have this little moment, and it's just like kind of intense. It's kind of like I feel bad for Badger. Like I've never really like been. Pro, like I don't know I've never like have felt 
badger emotions really other than it's like bill murray and like hilarious like it's really funny most of the time and like sometimes he's a bit annoying but like i've never felt bad for badger before i think what's interesting to me is that it is bill murray and the idea of bill murray being like the awkward guy in a in a, like a social situation it's really funny because bill murray's famously like this this like no shame he'll just like walk like he'll like walk into a wedding that he's not even a, a part of and just be like hey i'm bill murray i'm in this wedding now yeah i just also want the table depiction and its layout something i found really interesting when i was looking at which characters were where and who was next to whom um all the female characters except for potentially a rabbit child i'm not sure the genders of the rabbit children but anyone who seemingly is female identifying sits on the left side of the table and then all of the no because mrs rabbit's on the right side of the table no she's not she moves to the right side of the table after fox starts talking to give more food to her children in the first shot when you like see them and just like looking down and badger just start he's like tapping his spoon all the females are on that side of the table and then the like weasel chef rabbit phil the two rabbit children beaver's son and then badger's child are all on the right side of the table i think that seems like a coincidence because mrs badger is just sitting next to her husband who's at one end of the table and felicity is sitting next to mr fox who's at the other end of the table and next to felicity is agnes uh, because that's her secret love child, <laughs> and and then and so Mrs. Th- just and then Rabbit's ex-wife, then Linda, then Rickety, and then Mrs. Badger. So it's it, I just I find yeah. it interesting. I just think it's I don't think there's an intentionality there though, or is there? But the other thing I found kind of amusing was Chef Rabbit is sitting next to Phil Mole, next to the the Rabbit children, and I was like, okay. Are these rabbit children chef rabbits or are they rabbits X? Are they actually any of these? Like, were we assuming parents of these children because they're not actually like associated with any parental type figures and they're never really seen? That's why I assumed that Mrs. Rabbit was sitting next to the children because it's the children and then Phil Mole and then... Uh, Mario Batali rabbit. Um, nope, uh, that is not the case. Okay, well I believe you, but it's like the like uh, no, I I know I know the layout of where they're sitting, but I don't know. It just doesn't. There doesn't seem like there's any specific intention to where the people are sitting. I and Rick Rickety Mouse is sitting on the table, which is VQ, and he's got a little TV tray dinner thing. Yeah. Um, the other yeah. well, in my thinking about like Chef Rabbit being the ex like having an ex they're sitting like almost across from the table from each other but chef rabbit not sitting next to the rabbit children if they're not orphans and they are actually the children of chef rabbit is chef rabbit in a relationship with phil the mole and they're (laughs) the fathers Uh, they're the two like primary caretakers of these rabbit children that was the other thing I was thinking about. Oh, no way. No way. No way Mr. Rabbit has full custody or even major- like a majority of custody. No way. He's way too busy as a chef. That's definitely why they broke up. Or. Because he's like always, he's always doing a chef thing. Or did they break up? And like, even if he. Because he's having a relationship with Phil the Mole. 
even if even if he is having a relationship with Phil Mole, it's like it's clear that like he was the one that was like lost interest in the relationship, and that uh, Mrs. Rabbit Rabbit's Mr. Rabbit's ex is like the one that was like, uh, I'm just trying to keep our family together. I don't know. Yeah. It it really is a beautiful shot of the whole like table, and there's like beautifully designed. Uh, what, do you, what do you call the stuff hanging on the walls? Garland. Yeah, the garlands on the walls and the food all looks delicious. There's like a turkey that, like, with the head still a, on that looks like a, really it's crazy. A goose. Or, or it's or a duck, duck or something. Yeah. It's a goose. I'm not sure if it's a duck or a goose. But yeah. Um, but inside, or in the, um, it's definitely not a squab. In the making of Fantastic Mr. <laughs> Fox, the book, there's some detail shots of some of the foods that are on the table including like fish and this filled cake that looks amazing. And then there's this little email from um, Wes Anderson to one of the set designers. And like, he's thinking so detailed about this. He wrote a dinner menu of what's actually in this dinner that they're eating, including That's hilarious. salad of actual tree leaves might be nice. Autumn oak leaf salad with acorns. Also maybe a jar of wheat stalks just to chew on for dessert. A bowl of little red berries, poisonous to humans, but a delicacy for field animals. Maybe holly? Question mark. And I'm just like, Wes, you've gone too far. <laughs> you wrote a dinner menu for this fake dinner. I'm obsessed. And this is why we are here to talk about it, because it is that detail from the other end. Yeah, it's one of the most lavish scenes in the film, which is why it's it's on the cover of the book and it's it feels like something that would be like on a poster is just like everyone's sitting around Fox is the center of attention. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is that like they have like another gathering later in the film where like Fox has become more the, the fulfilled character that has gone through like an arc. And like, you'd think that it would be something like that where he's actually grown as a person, but it's this moment where he's still kind of growing. Mm Mm-hmm. The other thing I find kind of funny is there's like silverware on the plates, like on the table and stuff. And but none of the animals are really using the silverware and they're kind of eating what you would expect, like the animals to eat kind of thing. Like the rabbits are all eating carrots and like vegetable type things. And like, I'm just thinking, though, you have a lot of herbivores there and then you have a lot of meat on that table. You have a couple omnivores, but for the most part not a lot of meat eaters. So I just think it's kind of funny that it's overwhelmingly like meat options. It seems. I don't know. I feel like a lot of those are omnivorous though. Foxes are omnivorous. Like badgers. Badgers. Eat some meat. Otters. Weasel. Otters. They, they eat like different, they, they'll, they'll eat like clams or whatever. Okay. But, rabbits are. So I don't know if they're eating like turkeys. Rabbits are herbivores. Rabbits. Yeah. Moles. I think they're. Moles don't they eat seem, insects? Maybe. Moles certainly don't eat dirt. Yeah, and possums, which are omnivorous. Omnivorous. So there's there's plenty of there's beavers, I guess are. I don't. What do beavers eat? They just eat tree bark and stuff. Yeah, I genuinely don't know. It looks like that be, uh, beaver son is eating some vegetables in the or in the picture I'm looking at. They're also he's also drinking milk. It looks like. Which is interesting. Oh, he's a little baby. He's a big baby. Um. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um. All right. Let's. Do you want to transition over to the kitchen? And we don't even need to talk about the kitchen scene that much because that's all. We're, that's all we're getting in the next minute. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we transition to 
Ash and Christofferson sneaking into Bean's house. They lift up a little grate in the in the floor of a of the kitchen. They stick a fork to hold it up, and they just kind of pop their heads out. Mm-hmm. The one thing I do want to point out here, though, because I think the fork is such an interesting way to do it, is scale and scale. Oh makes yeah, the perspective no distortion sense. is amazing in this in this moment. Yeah, this whole this whole like shot. Um, or the back and forth shots of like them looking out at the whole kitchen, seeing them with the grate and the fork. They seem so small. Like that fork must be massive. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a really cool moment though, in the way that like the, the kitchen looks so expansive and it, the kitchen looks really real too. I, I want to talk more about that tomorrow, but definitely. Um, I just, it really like that. The second he like handled the fork, I was like, Oh my god, this is this is like scale like we've never seen in the film kind of yet. It's like a human-sized fork on like a child fox. Yeah, but I feel like foxes aren't that like it I think the foxes are too small in comparison to the fork. Cuz like it's basically the well, length of his children foxes. Regardless, I think cuz like one, the fox they're really skinny. But then that fork like would run the length like torso to top like tips of ears i feel like it's not that bad so yeah christopherson says i don't feel safe and uh ash says that's because we're not safe like still trying to be uh extra still trying to be like a cool dude like his father and we get a fun music cue of like the drums coming in all intense which the, the drums definitely make you feel more nervous than you like you actually feel when the moment starts. Mm-hmm. And then it's also the return of the bandit hat as Ash yes. makes a very subtle dig that he is not beloved by his father the same way Christopherson is. Oh, yeah. He says, you should probably put your bandit hat on. But I personally, and that's where mine cut off. So I guess we know he doesn't have a bandit hat, but we don't know what he's going to yeah. say. Okay, That's all I got. that seems like about it. <laughs> well, this has been Minute 48 of Fantastic Minute. Not much of a wrap-up here, but I'm Tyler Boudreau. You can find me on the Twitter at Tyler Booty. That's at T-Y-L-E-R-B-O-U-D-Y. You can also follow the show at Amateur Nerds. You know the drill. If you want to email us thoughts, questions about future minutes, you can email us at AmateurNerdsPresent at gmail.com. Or if you can't do any of those things, you can always find our podcast at amateurnerds.podbean.com or you can rate, review, subscribe rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play or other places where you find your podcasts we hope you join us next time for Minute 49 of Fantastic Mr. Fox I've been Tyler Boudreau I've been Condra and we hope you have a fantastic day fantastic?